The Journal presents the Good Information Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Information Podcast, a series where the Journal gets to grips with 15 major topics that our audience has told us are impacting their daily lives and focusing their minds on the future. I'm Susan Daly, Managing Editor of The Journal, where the Good Information Project has been giving readers the opportunity to engage directly with editors and journalists on these issues. With you, we've looked at their impact on Ireland and on our place in the wider EU. In this episode, we are asking, how prepared is Ireland and the EU for the new digital age? As the online world takes another pivot into a deeper digital age, how do we make sure no one gets left behind? How much can we trust our data to the internet? We'll answer these questions and more, but here's what you told us about some very particular concerns about online behaviours. This is what I do for a living, and honestly, I don't think there's a way to fix the bad stuff on the internet without stopping the good stuff too. Uh, But one fixable issue is social media. Big social media networks should be treated like publishers under law and held responsible for what appears on their forums. AI isn't advanced enough yet to catch everything, or even a lot of it. But the dark net is a whole other issue. The criminals will always be one step ahead. Ideally, get rid of the ability to troll. In order to participate in any way, in any social forms, you have to be identifiable. Make people fully responsible publicly for everything they say online. And I reckon the internet will become way less toxic and polarising. I'd bring back Gopher and banish web browsers for good. Also, make sure it's no longer accessible through mobile phone networks and the only way to access it would be to spend a few K on an awkward to figure finicky piece of electronics. It was better before the eternal September, a friendlier place. Banish web browsers. Let's check in with Good Information Project producer Carl Kinsler as he guides us through our current relationship with the digital work and retail space, social media and, yes, our beloved smartphones. In exploring Ireland's attitudes towards the new digital age, the Good Information Project, in conjunction with independent polling company Ireland Thinks, discovered that, shock horror, smartphone use is off the charts among Irish people. One third of our polling sample of 1,780 said that they spend far too much time on their smartphones, with a further 28% categorising their relationship with their phones as simply spending too much time. Less than one in five respondents felt that the amount of time they spend on their smartphones is healthy, and just 1% said they don't spend enough time on their smartphones. This trend is most noticeable in the cohort of people aged 18 to 24, 59% of whom believe they spend far too much time on their devices. Only 4% of respondents in that age bracket believe they are spending the correct amount of time on their smartphones, suggesting that very worrying habits are starting to develop. For every cohort beneath the age of 65, the most selected option was far too much time. We were also interested in the digital legacy of the pandemic and asked respondents to tell us what digital behaviours fostered during the pandemic were most likely to continue into the future. 44% said there were no behaviours they would be continuing in a post-pandemic society, but just over a third said that work meetings conducted over video was something they could see continuing on into the future. One in five respectively selected online grocery shopping and group video calls with friends and family, while 12% selected attending cultural events such as concerts and theatre performances online. 
The expectation that video calls for work meetings would last beyond the end of COVID-19 was highest among younger participants, with 64% of those in the 25 to 34 age group saying that they expect the practice to outlast the pandemic. Age also seemed to be a determining factor in attitudes towards facial recognition technology. When asked which of the following would you choose to use facial recognition tools responsibly among the Gardaí, government departments, financial services providers, big tech companies and online advertisers, 61% of 18 to 24 year olds said none of the above. This is out of line with the broader attitudes of Irish people, 49% of whom said they would trust on Gardaí Síochána with facial recognition technology, and 39% who said they would trust government departments providing public services. Trust in online advertisers was negligible across the board at 2%, and big tech didn't fare much better at 6%. Trust in virtually all options increases with age, with trust in the Guardi using facial recognition at 62% for those over 65, compared with 34% for those in their late teens and early 20s. Carrying on with the theme of generational divides and attitudes towards tech, support for ID verification also varied from age to age. Younger internet users are more likely to be sceptical of such a measure, which some have pointed out would pose risks for people in certain areas of the world, political organisers, protesters and whistleblowers. 47% of the 18 to 24 cohort were against the measure, whereas more than 77% of everyone over the age of 45 is in favour of it. It is also a popular idea among those in their 20s and 30s, with support not dropping below 58% for any of the other cohorts. Women also tend to be more supportive of the idea, 77% to 67%. Taken as a whole, 72% of Irish people are in favour of verifying the identity of users behind social media accounts, while 1 in 5 are against it, and 8% say they don't know. Ireland's attitude towards tech is a tale of more than one population, and there are clear cleavages between different age groups. The challenge is now for the government to manage and reconcile these differences while its digital strategy evolves with the times. Thanks, Carl. Now I'm joined by the journal's business reporter Ian Curran to discuss the key questions posed by the advance of digital and some of the answers we might find in order to bring everybody along. Welcome, Ian. Now tell me this, what is Ireland's current digital strategy? Do we have one? <laughs> uh, well, we do as of the end of, or sorry, the start of February, actually, um, when we had a quick look at this for the Good Information Project. Um, we, it was unveiled, you'd have to say, and I think I said at the time, with very little fanfare. And I think the reason for that is because much of it has to be fleshed out. And uh, there are some very ambitious targets in there as well, um, which you could potentially see being revised at some point. But uh, I think the consensus is that we may, might be in a good position to actually meet those targets. But let me just give you a quick rundown of what it is. It's called the Digital Ireland Strategy or the Harnessing Digital Strategy. Um, There are a number of areas that it kind of focuses on. The first is kind of digital business transformation digital public services is another and kind of increasing digital infrastructure particularly around things like cyber security obviously in the context of uh, what we've experienced in Ireland in the last kind of 12 months uh, particularly in relation to the HSE right so uh, underpinning all of that of course is is the national broadband plan which we've been hearing about for for, for a very long time now and which we've heard uh, only a few weeks ago is is probably 12 months behind schedule although it's still expected to deliver uh, to be delivered by 2026 so um, I mean basically the the, the, the goals of it then are, 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 you would have to say, quite ambitious. I mean, firstly, uh, the, uh, the government aims to have 90% of, of public services provided for and consumed online by 2030. Now, that sounds very, very, very ambitious, but at the same time, it could... Hu- 
uh, proved to be hugely popular. I think we've seen a number of surveys recently uh, which suggest that that would be actually a very welcome move uh, for, for a lot of people, would cut out a lot of hassle, particularly for people in rural Ireland. Um, another target is to have 80% of all businesses to have some digital engagement by 2020, uh, by, by 2030. Um, uh, 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 and, and then finally, and I think this is probably one of the most ambitious, which is to have 80% of all adults to have uh, at least some digital skills by 2030. Now, why is that ambitious? Well, just to give you a bit of context, I mean, in, in 2021, that figure was about 53% in Ireland, um, which seems remarkably low for a country as high tech and, uh, you know, as a country that we're constantly hearing about having a skilled workforce and so on. In fact, it put us 18th in within the euro, uh, the, the EU 27. So that's very low. Uh, but you'd have to say that probably uh, the government, you know, could 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 get to that figure by 2030. Um, they've just rolled out the digital school strategy, which is kind of part of that as well. And, and there's a number of kind of adult education um, uh, programs as well involved. So altogether, that's kind of a very high level overview of, of what it is. And as I say, it's 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 uh, it's likely to sort of shift and, and, and change as uh, as it gets fleshed out. So the framework is is investing on the two ends of it. So sort of the younger generation coming up, um, not taking it for granted, they're going to be digital natives. And then at the other end, looking at the lifelong learning, upskilling in the workforce. Do you think people feel that's doable within that frame time frame? Yeah, I think the consensus is that it is probably doable. And obviously, um, I, I mean, uh, but, 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 but you know, on the other hand, I think there is reason to be sceptical. I mean, we, we, we've seen this issue in Ireland uh, rear its head in recent uh, years, in particular with uh, just, just taking, for example, a particular industry, the banking industry. Uh, the banking industry is trying to go effectively digital. We've had Bank of Ireland closed, closing down a substantial proportion of its branch network. And the number one concern that was raised was there are just some people who are not up to snuff with their... Uh, apps with their uh, sort of online presence to be able to, uh, you know, bank online. And there is a very real danger that people can become unbanked. And so that's kind of a real world example of why they need to get it right, because basic public services like that, uh, ba- ba- basic, uh, you know, and particularly for people in rural Ireland, uh, c- could be affected if, for example, uh, banks continue, just as an example of an industry, continue their drive to kind of go online and reduce their physical branch network. So, so that's what's at stake, I think. And Ireland's digital strategy seems inextricable from its business and investment relationships with big tech on the other side of things. So how are we managing those relationships? Yeah, I, I mean, like much of the Irish economy, it's very difficult to kind of look at the digital skills sort of idea or sector or, or notion without looking at it through the lens of kind of uh, how Ireland relates to its high value multinationals. Um, the, the, this is the kind of small handful of tech companies like Google, Facebook, Apple, who represent, you know, a substantial pro- proportion of our corporation tax receipts every year, uh, who employ large large numbers of people and who, of course, uh, you know, uh, are, are facing into very significant headwinds over the next while uh, domestically and internationally. Um, and you'd have to say that Ireland's relationship is heading into sort of significant headwinds as well. And, and, and that's for two reasons, you'd have to say probably one, because of um, the um, reforms uh, proposed at the OECD to the introduction of a, a global minimum rate of taxation of uh, corporation tax uh, of uh, 15%, which obviously would spell the end of Ireland's 125 
percent rate which is you know one of the main reasons why these companies are here and then the other reason why these relationships are facing into uh, you would have to say a period of uncertainty is uh, I, I think anyway just the issue around data centers and the issues um, that they raise particularly around the drain that they're causing on the uh, you know the, 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 the national electricity grid but then also the environmental issues and I think both of those issues are public policy issues that will have to be sort of hammered out uh, but yeah so it's very difficult I think to uh, to to, to kind of extricate this issue from 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 our, the broader context of Ireland's relationship with, with big tech companies. And of course, Ireland's goals, they mesh in some way with the European Parliament's plans to constrain the power of big tech companies. And that might also be, an, you know, a, a road bump in our relationship with them. Tell us about the two big new EU laws that are that are coming in into service and in fact actually are in place now. The two pieces of legislation, the the the, the they're um they've been approved and I think it will be probably early next year by the time they're implemented or perhaps the end of this year um, but that's still quite a fast track timeline for the European Union it wasn't entirely clear when they were going to get this kind of over the line but anyway the two pieces of legislation are the Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act so the, the, the Digital Services Act is about giving regulators more tools to police uh, uh, content uh, misinformation uh, and other sort of uh, damaging content on social media platforms, basically giving them a bigger carrot uh, and a bigger stick as well to kind of deal with uh, that kind of content on, um, on on social media platforms. The Digital Markets Act is very interesting as well. This is really aimed at what they call gatekeeper companies, which are companies with a value, uh, an annual turnover, I think of over 80 billion. I can't remember the exact figure, but basically, basically it targets a, a small number of companies you're thinking of, the likes of Amazon, Facebook, Google. And basically, you know, it's a recognition, I think, that European competition regulators have been kind of chasing their tails when it comes to trying to regulate big tech and regulate, uh, you know, and... um, you know, within markets. Um, these are called kind of digital gatekeeper companies. Uh, you know, they've often been accused of kind of abusing their market dominance by whether it's buying up smaller rivals, using their deep pockets to kind of, you know, uh, lessen the competition or whether it's just uh, forcing app developers or whatever to pay uh, more to use the app store than other developers and so on. And and the EU has le- uh, levied, you know, billions of euros of fines against these companies over the past 10 years. In fact, I think no regulator has levied more fines against the biggest tech companies in the world than the EU. And it ha- has had no deterrent effect. And basically, that's what the Digital Markets Act is aiming to fix. It's aiming to give them, uh, you know, a bigger, a bigger stick, as I said, uh, 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 with bigger penalties and to kind of act as a as as a deterrent rather than just a post hoc, uh, you know, punishment for misbehavior in markets. So those are, you know, we, we've seen big tech companies in, in you know, in the, over the past 12 months seriously intensify their lobbying against this in Europe. They really do not like these two pieces of legislation. And you'd have to say broadly, it would it probably makes it, it there may be a case that it makes Europe a less attractive market for those uh, for those companies. So that's another issue um, that's going to have to be hurdled. The mood music coming from the likes of Google and so on is that these things aren't going to affect their presence in Ireland, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, as always, these things, um, you know, can change on a dime. So we'll have to, uh, you will have to see, and especially when uh, it, it, the the two uh, pieces of legislation are actually enacted. Big legislation from the EU, and we wait for the consequences. Thanks so much, Ian, for coming in. We'll give the last word to Deirdre Clune, MEP, who told our Open Newsroom webinar how the online world has brought Ireland from the edge of Europe to its very heartland. 
a number of policies that are converging on one thing, and that is just to bring Ireland to, to connect us, to make us more connected as, an, as a nation. But also, I see it from small businesses' point of view, the value of um, being able to trade across Europe uh, and that is um, what, that, that's what digitalization has done. Being having an internet presence and being able to trade online is really invaluable for a small country like Europe that, has, that is disconnected in any ways because we're not physically present in the centre of Europe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Information Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Adrian Carty with research by Carl Kinsler and additional journalism from the Good Information Project team. Go to thejournal.ie to find out more about the entire Good Information Project and email us at goodinformation@thejournal.ie with your feedback and questions. If you want to hear more episodes in this series, find us at the Good Information Podcast on the Journal app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Good Information Project is co-funded by Journal Media and a grant programme from the European Parliament.